we can put our hands together. Can we give God a cheer this morning? Check one, two. Amen. You may be seated. Check, check. There we go. There we go. Hit that button. There we go. You may be seated. Unless you want to stand the whole time, that'll be awkward, but you can do that. Amen. Good to see everybody here today, especially those joining us online. We just wanted to say a great big God bless you. And uh, wanted just to repeat uh, just an announcement that uh, those online didn't hear. Uh, but real quick, just wanted to say follow us. Make sure you follow us in our events on our website and some of our social media outlets. Uh, we're always promoting our events. So if you want to just um, find out what's going on and get involved, you can. You can turn me down a little hot on here. Um, so anyways, uh, wanted to just encourage everybody. October 23rd, 1 to 4 p.m. at the OC in the parking lot, we'll be doing our Harvest Festival. And uh, it's going to be tons of awesome food, of course. There's just no way we're not going to do good food. And then, uh, you know, we're going to have games and giveaways. We're going to be doing free prizes, giveaways, uh, things like that, and drawing. So it'll be really good. It'll be really fun. So we're excited about it. And uh, we've got a lot to get ready for. So we're going to ask for volunteers. If you could help us in any way, please let us know. Uh, we do need people to hand out flyers and set things up, and we've got a lot going on. So uh, if you're interested in serving on that day, please let us know as well, and uh, we could use all the help um, that you can offer. We, we could, we'll take it. <laughs> so, but uh, it's going to be good, and we'd like to see, anybody like to see an annual Harvest Festival where it's like lots of good food and lots, right? Give Anybody? I would. I'm going to do it. So, you know, so... So Philip and I are going to do it. You guys can show up if you want to, but it's going to be every year. Anyways, and, uh, but it's going to be good, and we're going to be uh, really excited about it. And uh, I've already talked to uh, three or four of the neighbors there and told some people, but uh, let them know, look, we're, we're doing this here, and we want you to be here. And so we do want you to invite people as far as uh, those that you're praying with, maybe neighbors and stuff. Um, but as Brother Micah said, and, and I want to reiterate, it's not for the whole city. We're just... We're not there. Our budget's really not there. So, I mean, we can give everybody water, but that's about it. So, uh, and uh, we'd love to see everybody. But, and uh, so, I encourage you to follow us on our social uh, media and our, um, some of the things that are going on. Sometimes uh, we do have a lot of announcements and get lost in that. So, uh, just keep in touch and like and share and follow us uh, as much as you can. We appreciate that. How many are just really ready to hear the Word of God today? You know, we come to church for a lot of things, a lot of good things encourage each other, worship together, take communion together, but we really come to hear the Word. And uh, so, I, you, know, I, I'm, you know, I'm almost like, Lord, I want to hear what's being said today, even though I'm speaking. And so uh, I really just trust that as we share today, that God's Word will really uh, help you in some way, heal you in any way, and really just uh, really do a work in your life. So, amen. Let's just pray today and ask the Lord to bless us as we get into word. Lord, we just thank you for your word. It's anointed. It has life. It's a treasure. It's medicine. Lord, it's like honey, as the prophet said. But Lord, we need us we, uh, to, to be open to it. And, and our ears need to be open. And our hearts need to be open. And our hearts need to be anointed to receive your word today. And I just pray that anything we say, that I am just used, Lord, to speak what you want me to say. So Lord, I, I just ask you to speak through my lips, think through my mind, and bless us as we get into your word today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So I heard it's raining out a little bit, and we're going to uh, make adjustments on that. But uh, uh, it'll be good. I'm still going to have my coffee after church. Anyways, so you can join me in the back uh, or outside if you want me to do that. So turn with me to Psalms chapter 89. Psalms chapter 89, something that I've uh, had in my heart really since um, 
uh, early spring of this year, maybe, maybe even the winter of last year, and just waited and, uh, to share. And I just really feel that it's time and, and we can kind of use this right now. Sometimes when you have things in your heart, God gives you some things. You have to measure it out and weigh it out and say, you know, this probably will be better later on. It might be better, more suited at another time. And, and, uh, and so this is that time. And so I feel like if I would have sh- shared this earlier, it would have probably brought some misunderstanding uh, to what I was trying to convey and the message that God wanted to convey. But Psalms 89, verse 14 and 15, or yeah, 89, verse 14 and 15. It says this, it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Talking about God. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance or the blessings of your presence or the really the, um, it'd be the radiance of your face. And so the Bible says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. This is where God moves from. This is where the Bible says His throne operates on these two things right here, righteousness and justice. How many believe that with all your heart? Amen. Righteousness and justice. This is how God rules. So righteousness and justice drive the culture of the kingdom of God. Jesus created His culture, right? Righteousness and justice drive the culture of God, but the church grows that culture in the earth. And so it's very important to understand that this is the foundation of the throne of God. How many know that's pretty important, isn't it? Righteousness and justice together, the Bible says. You know, and so we have to understand that the kingdom of God calls for righteousness. In fact, Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That word peace there is uh, really an, uh, an additional word for justice. Did you know that? The kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's not the things of this earth. It's not the things that we wear and things that are the outer appearance. But it is, as Jesus said in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So guess what? Righteousness and justice can be in you. Amen? Why? Because it's a foundation of the throne of God. And how many know if it's a foundation of the throne of God, it should be a foundation in your life? It should be a foundation of what we decide or make our choices about, what we build our lives on, and how we vote. <laughs> righteousness and justice. Everything in our life should be centered around righteousness and justice. If the throne of God is established by righteousness and justice, how many know our lives need to be established by righteousness and justice? I'm not... I'm not peddling any kind of political idea this morning. I'm, I'm kind of really, uh, really want to just bring out the principles of the kingdom of God. I want to talk about the kingdom of God, which is righteousness and justice. In Psalms 83, 85, sorry, it says this. Psalms 85, verses 10, and if you can click or turn there fast enough, we can read it together. Psalms 85, 10, starting there, it says, Mercy and truth have met together, Righteousness and peace have kissed. That sounds good right there. It's like a marriage encounter right here. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. It's interesting, isn't it? And how many know Jesus taught us to pray, whatever is being done in heaven, let it be done on the earth? Yes, Lord, 
the, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Verse 13, righteousness will go before him or God and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Did you know the word for righteousness is right wayness? Did you know that? Why? Because we're following in God's footsteps. We're going His way. How many want to go God's way? How many believe that our nation needs to go God's way? How many know our community needs to be pointing towards God's way? Amen? Come on, we build our lives on God's way. Right way-ness. That's God's footsteps. His way. The Bible says that righteousness will go before God and make His steps, His footsteps, our pathway. Aren't you glad you don't need to like go ahead and blaze a trail yourself? God's already gone there. God's already established a way for us to go. We need the wisdom and discernment to go there. And if we'll follow Jesus, how many know He's going to lead you there? The Holy Spirit's going to lead you there. Amen. Amen. Not going to lead you in your own way. Not going to lead you in a funky path and a weird kind of off, off the road trail. He's going to lead you in the path that God has already set for us. The way that's already established and that way is righteousness and justice. How many know it's important that you love righteousness? How many it's important that you love justice? You, you don't love one and hate the other or uphold one and put down the other. They're both in the same. They have to flow together because that's what God's throne is built on. God's throne is built on righteousness and justice. Can I say it enough? No, I can't. Amen. I'm not going to say it again. But I'm just teasing. All right. So righteousness, I like this about righteousness. If I think about it, righteousness leads to truth. Justice leads to mercy. Hello. How many know we need mercy and we need truth? And guess what? We need righteousness and we need justice. You're not going to get truth without righteousness. You can search for it, but how many know truth is found in Jesus Christ, which the Bible says He is the righteousness of God. And now because of what He did, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because He was righteous first. And any kind of righteousness is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can any Christian say amen? amen? Righteousness leads to truth. If you want to find truth, you want to live truth, you want to lead a life of truth, you've got to live a life of righteousness. If you want to find mercy, you've got to live in justice. If you want justice, you've got to have mercy. They go together, amen? And you know, one of the things I was thinking about is when it came to the, the uh, Old Testament, the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies was the place where the power of God moved the most. And you're not going to find the power of God outside of God's mercy. When you move in justice and mercy, that's where the power of God flows. Because He's a just God. He's a right God. Can somebody say amen? How many know all His judgments, the Bible says, are right and they are just? Every decision that God ever makes is always fair and just. God never moves outside of justice. Never moves outside of righteousness. He's always going to lead you in a path of, of righteousness. Is that what David said in Psalms 23? Lead me in the path of righteousness, Lord. That's why. Because that's God. And anytime you try to live a life outside of righteousness and justice, you're not going to live a life of godliness. You're not going to go God's way. You're not going to find God in any of that stuff. You're going to find, amen, you're going to find confusion. You're going to find hatred. You're going to find fighting. Amen? Is that right? And I love that because the mercy seat, that's where the justice of God was. 
Well, God's a God of judgment. Yes, He is. And God's judgments are always just and right and merciful. In your judgment, remember mercy. Is that what the prophet prayed? Why? Because he's a God of truth, and he's a God of justice, and he's a God of mercy, and he's a God of righteousness. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Yes, he's the great judge. Yes, he is. But aren't you glad that this great judge had mercy on you? Uh Uh-oh. Somebody just missed communion right there. Amen. Amen. Isn't that what communion's all about? The mercy, when you deserve judgment, the mercy found you. And so when the books open in that day, amen, guess what's going to come out? Mercy and truth. Righteousness and justice for those who have called on the name of God. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. i got to stick to my notes today. But you know, I've seen something and I've, I've noticed this, that there seems to be a great divide in our country We've got two parties and they're diabetically opposed to each other, hate each other and fighting. And this year and a half has been kind of just a real um, turmoil for all of us. But I've noticed that we've divided these two things into two separate parties. We either want social programs or we want religious liberties. But we've got to have righteousness and justice. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Righteousness and justice. If you're going to call somebody out for injustice, you got to call them out for unrighteousness. If you're going to point out all the injustices and and stand for all the injustices, you got to stand for unrighteousness in our land too. Hello. If you're going to vote about justice, you got to vote about righteousness. I don't understand people who march in and in, in a protest and they've got multicolored flags, but they refuse to march. In, in something that, 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 that stands for the right of life. Don't get it. Doesn't make sense to me. Calling out all the injustices, but you won't call the unrighteousness. You'll co-sign that, but you won't sign the other one. How many know you've got to have righteousness and justice together? Uh-oh. You gotta come on. You gotta have it together. If you're you're gonna support, you know, all kinds of social programs for you know rebuilding the 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 bad neighborhoods and all these things and feeding the poor. You better get on board with marching down in Washington on the right to life and the right for a child in the womb. Come on. You gotta get on board with both. You're confusing me about the voting. I'm not talking about voting. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the kingdom today. And it's high time the church got on the kingdom side and stopped getting on the political side and get on the kingdom side and start living this out in our communities instead of doing one thing in church and another thing on social media. Your social media has got to have righteousness and justice in it. You can call out all the injustice you want, but you better call out the unrighteousness as well. You can't co-sign one and put down the other. Everybody else saying, I might as well say it. I could call this, there I said it. <laughs> I, could, I could call this segment, there I said it. Why? Because, because the throne of our God is built on righteousness and justice. When God looks down on the earth, He wants righteousness to flow, and He wants justice to flow just as well. And we've got to have both. Unfortunately, in our culture, we've elevated the systems of man, the culture of man, and we have degraded and put down the kingdom of God. But how many know as the church, you better get on board with the kingdom first. Start talking kingdom first, then talk culture. 
Amen. Amen. And so Amos chapter 5 verse 24 says, let justice roll on like a river. Amen. Come on, like that old song, just keep rolling and rolling, right? Rolling down the river, right? But justice needs to roll like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. How many know it's got to go both ways, guys? Come on, amen? Come on, Christian, you got to have both. Righteousness, you got to love righteousness. I know a lot of people that love it so much, they'll, they'll condemn anybody for having the wrong colored shirt on. I get it. I got it. You love righteousness. You love what's right. You tell on everybody. How many have one of those children? They just tell on everybody. But when it comes to themselves, well, that's another story. Anyways, but so notice what he's saying here. He's speaking to the children of Israel. And he's speaking to the nation. And then he speaks to individuals and he says, listen, this is your responsibility as an individual first. You've got to have justice roll like a river in your life, in your home, first. You've got to have righteousness like a never failing stream in your heart, first. In your home, then in your community, then you need to have it in the nation. Amen. Amen? Stop trying to correct everybody on their political views and yet your house is dysfunctional. It says, let it happen in your heart. Let it happen in your home first. Then it needs to move to your nation. How many know that's how revival happens? Revival doesn't happen in church. Revival happens in your heart. Then it goes in your home. And then it comes to the house of God. And then it gets out to the streets. Come on, somebody. Amen. Too many people think, oh, I'm, I'm going to do all this. I'm going to shout and everything and conquer the carpet on Sunday. But you need to do that in your heart first. Then in your home. Then in the house. Amen. Amen. But he said, let justice roll down. I mean, this needs to be the church right here in 2021. We've got to have justice roll like a river. We've got to have righteousness rolling, just moving and flowing. Come on, in our conversation, in our lifestyles, in our business. It's got to roll, doesn't it? It's got to roll. Amen. And so he's speaking. You've got to take responsibilities, what Amos is saying. This has got to be something that you don't just call out everybody for injustice. You've got to call out people for unrighteousness. And you don't go around just pointing your finger at unrighteous. You've got to stand for injustice too. Amen? So the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. Well, how does righteousness affect a nation? How does it exalt a nation? How does a nation become righteous? And it's through God's people. I said it's through the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in the earth. Well, we need, no, we need political reform. We've got to do this and we have these legislation. No, no, it comes through God's people first. Hello, it comes through God's people first. You want justice in our government? You got to have justice in the city. If you want justice in the city, you got to have it in your home. You want justice in your home, you got to have it in your heart. Amen? Amen. So that's how righteousness will exalt a nation is because it happens through God's people. Righteousness will never exalt a nation or anyone in pride. Righteousness does not lift up anybody in pride. How many know there's not pride in righteousness? There's humility. There's character. Come on, there's sober-mindedness in righteousness. That's why a lot of these people, a lot of these things that what we call Christian, they don't promote righteousness. You don't hear them singing about righteousness. You don't hear them talking about righteousness. You hear them talking about injustice, but you don't hear them talking about righteousness. How many know you got to sing about righteousness and injustice? All right, let's go on. Amen. So, you know, I feel like as a, as a society, as a culture, it's funny how we want to hold God responsible for all our social problems and issues, and yet 
We just don't want his interference in our lives. Doesn't make sense, does it? We, we want to blame them. We want to hold them responsible. We want to hold them accountable. We want, to, we want to look at the church and blame the church. And yet we do not want his interference and his involvement in our lives. I mean, no, we've got to have God in our lives. And if you want God in government and complaining about it and you're, 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 you're breaking down you know, on, on social media and you're busting everybody's chops, it's got to be in your heart first. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of God. Let me skip forward real quick, and I'm going to kind of drive the people on the computer a little nuts. I'm going to go to the point of justice first, go back to righteousness. I need to hurry today because we got to do some things. Amen. i got to have coffee. you got to eat, sign up, do all those things. <laughs> but, you know, let me just say this. God demands justice. Say it one more time. God demands justice. Yes, he does. God severely judges nations who are unjust. Did you know that injustice, according to the Bible, is sin? God demands justice. Justice is not optional for the believer. Justice is imperative. You have to have justice. Amen? God demands justice. Micah 6.8, very familiar passage of Scripture. And I believe that every Christian lawyer loves this scripture. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. God demands justice. In fact, again, the Bible over and over says that injustice, and it, it gives us examples, is sin. And anytime there's injustice, God severely judges people for injustice. How many believe that with all your heart? God judges injustice. Yes, He does. He gets upset about it, doesn't He? But people take what God said about justice and we want to turn it for a selfish, sensual, political interest. In fact, what we call social justice today is really, we, we don't use it in the right context anymore. We, we don't use it. Now it's all about, it seems to be about self-preservation. It's not about what the Bible says it is. We tend it to be something that's more about, about just a, a, a kind of a, how we feel about a particular group and their, and their cause and their, and their system and their institution. We want to uphold that cause instead of upholding true justice. And social justice today, I tell you what, doesn't mean anything what we think it does. And most people use it out of context. Social justice is, you know, this and that. I can give you the list of ten things. I'm not going to do that. Of what people today call social justice. But the Bible makes it clear that true justice always points to righteousness. Does not point to a political interest group. Does not point to self-preservation. Does not point to your orientation or your preference. It points to righteousness. Doesn't it? Yes, it does. And injustice is what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. It says, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. And so we're to defend and we're to protect. We're not to exploit. We're not to misuse. That's not what social justice is about. That's not what true justice is about. It's about defending and protecting, isn't it? How many know God is just because He defends and He protects you? Aren't you glad that God defends you? Aren't you glad that God protects you? Why? Because He's a just God. He's a right God. He's a true God. He's going to look out for those who can't look out for themselves. He's going to defend those who can't defend themselves. Come on, somebody. 
And did you know that's what we need to be doing as church, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth today? We've got to be protecting. We've got to be defending those that can't defend themselves. Not defending our own special interests, not defending our own sensual desires, not defending our own interests and political views. We've got to defend those who cannot defend themselves. Amen. God defends us. God defends and He vindicates. The Bible says that He vindicates. Too many times we're trying to vindicate people our own interests and our own political side. And our own... No, God vindicates the way He wants to vindicate. Amen. And so many times we're using social media as, as we want to vindicate ourselves, vindicate our side, vindicate... No, no, let God do that. You stand for true justice and God will vindicate you. Amen? And God defends and He vindicates the innocent... He does not defend the guilty. And yet our system says God defends... No, He defends the innocent. He, he vindicates the righteous, the Bible says. Not somebody's group, not somebody's cause, not a system, not an institution. I believe a lot of people won't defend what's right because they're too, too really concerned about their own cause, their own system, their own institution, and they'd rather stand on the side of their institution, their system, and their cause, rather than what's really right. And when you sacrifice and you put on the altar righteousness, boy, you're going to be in big trouble. It's not going to end well for you. Come on, somebody, amen. We're to, we're to put on, on the altar our own interests, our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own perceptions, and we're to stand for what's right. Amen. And so I, I, I just believe that. Why do people do that? Why do people defend what's right? Because, you know, don't defend what's right because they're more interested in defending their institution, their system, their cause, because there's money involved, because there's power involved, because there's self-preservation involved. But how many know when you stand with the Lord, you don't need to worry about any of that because He's your provider, He's your protector, He's your defender, He will vindicate, He will... Come on, the Bible says that He's going to cause His right arm to vindicate. Amen. And the cause of the Lord is going is to play out in the earth one way or the other. One century or another, one millennial or another, God's righteous cause will play out. Amen. God will vindicate His own word. God will stand by His own truth, His own commandments, His own judgments. God will defend it. Amen. God will do that. Now notice what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, verse 23. He said, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you are so careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your, your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, which is justice, mercy, and faith. He said, Yes, you should tithe, but do not neglect the more important things of the law. How many know justice is important? Mercy is important. Faith is important. Amen. Defend those things. Don't try to get on the soapbox and defend you know, something else or whatever. Let God do that. You defend what's right. Defend the Word of God. Come on, yes, we need to do that, but we've got to do it in righteousness and justice. Truth and mercy. Amen. How many know, right when you're getting ready to hit send, you need to ask, is this righteous or is this just? <laughs> is this truth and is this mercy? That's a, good, that's a good one, isn't it? You just need to think about it a little bit. So, so I believe that. And I, again, I, I feel like Christians really need to come back to the place. Are you really defending the kingdom? Standing up for the kingdom of God? Or are you just standing by a political party or your special interests or your own, your own desires, your own orientation, your own... Come on. Amen. You need to defend what God defends. Amen. And so I, I believe that, you know... That, 
again, we're going to call people out. And if we're going to really get in people's face and, and smack people around, <laughs> amen, for a lot of things, it's got to be for, for what God stands for, amen. So quickly, and, and as I wind this down, let me just talk real quick about righteousness. You know, righteousness is, is mentioned 86 times in the New Testament, but uh, it's over 800 times in the Old Testament. God is righteous. How many believe that? And so God, His throne is established, the Bible says, in righteousness. It, 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 in fact, it's almost like it, it's that foundation of the house. It just sits on righteousness and, judge, and justice. It sits there. And you know, the opposite of righteousness is corruption, deceit, uh, hatred, sin. I mean, this is the opposite of righteousness. Why would we want this in our homes? Why would we want this in our heart? Why would we want this in our communities? Why would we want this in our nation? We don't, do we? We want righteousness, don't we? We want, anybody? We want righteousness, don't we? We want it to in there, you know, but it's going to come God's way. It's not going to come through our way. It's going to come, it's not going to come through fighting and war. It's going to come through God's way. Amen. So again, you know, righteousness can be explained three ways. You can look at it this way, that righteousness is a spiritual condition, it's a moral position, and it's a physical act. That's righteousness. The Bible talks about it over and over again. That's what righteousness is. And you know, righteousness is one of those things that has to be sought after. You've got to love righteousness. You've got to seek after it. You've got to pursue it. You've got to uphold it. Can anybody say amen? How many know you've got to pursue righteousness? You've got to uphold it. Amen? In your heart first. So quickly, just a few things about righteousness. Righteousness, number one, is from God. That's clear. It's from God. Jeremiah 23. I love this. The Bible says that He'll make sure of justice and keep people united. This is the name that the people of God will give the Lord, and that is the Lord our righteousness. God who puts everything right. Amen? God who puts everything right. How many serve God, our righteousness. Anybody? How many serve a righteous God? How many serve a just God? The God who puts everything right. Let me tell you something. It may not be in your lifetime. It may not be just by, you know, you going down and voting or whatever. But God's going to set things right. I said God's going to set things right. One way or the other, God's not going to turn this world over to the devil just yet. He's going to set things right. Amen. Why? Because he's true, he's just, he's merciful, he's faithful to his word, and he's going to set this thing right. Amen. Why? Because he's the Lord, our righteousness. Amen. He's going to set it right, isn't he? And righteousness always, always allows us to be in right standing with God. Go the way of righteousness. Don't go the way of hatred and fighting and bitterness and, 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 ven and vengeance and all these things and arguing. Don't go that route. Go the way of righteousness. Why? Because that's what we found in Jesus Christ. That's who we are as Christians. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that now that Jesus died on the cross, we believe in Him, we're in right standing with God. I don't know about you, but I'd be a, rather be in the side of God than the side of man when it's all said and done. I'd rather stand with God alone than with a crowd of people that are wrong. Come on. That's why Jesus said, wide is the gate, amen, that leads to destruction. And many go that route, but narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Amen. I'd rather be on the narrow way with God than on the broad way with the devil. Amen. 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 And so that's righteousness. It comes from God. The Lord, our righteousness. He is Amen. He keeps us in right standing with Him. I want to be in right standing with God. Why wouldn't you want to be in right standing with God? Why would you want to run away from Him? Why would you want to rebel against Him? He's altogether righteous and lovely and merciful and truthful. Amen. Why in the world wouldn't you want to be with Him? 
Why in, your world, why in the world wouldn't you want to go His way? His way is perfect. His way is good. His way is everlasting. His way leads to righteousness and life and godliness. Amen. I could throw in wealth and prosperity and get an extra amen. Amen. Come on. That's His way because it's right. Amen. And so 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Man, that's good, isn't it? I want to be in right standing with God. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. Amen. Hallelujah. And the second thing is, is that righteousness starts in the heart. We've already talked about that. You know, it goes beyond good behavior. We're not talking about moral behavior. You know, we're, t- we're talking about a right heart. How many know God's looking for a right heart? How many know you can follow the rules and have a wrong heart? Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. You can do everything. You can say everything. How many know in marriage you can say and do everything, but if your actions don't follow your words, it's not in your heart. Amen? And so Ephesians chapter 6 says that part of the armor of God is what? The breastplate of righteousness. Right standing with God. Right wayness. Amen. That's what? Why? Because it not only defends our heart, it protects our heart. It keeps our heart. Amen. Righteousness is over your heart. It's the breastplate of righteousness. That's where every decision, every word that you choose, every, every kind of phrase that you talk about has to come from righteousness. Right standing with God. Right way with God. God's way. The right wayness of God comes from your heart. So it keeps you. And come on, it's in your heart, the Bible says, but it protects your heart. I believe that. Jeremiah said that the heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked, but nobody knows it but God. But aren't you glad that God can change a heart? I said, aren't you glad that God can change a heart? You need to start praying for that real hard-hearted person and say, God, start working that heart. Start softening that heart. The Bible says that God will put in a soft heart in you, in Ezekiel. That's what happens at salvation. Now all of a sudden you've got compassion for people that you hated. Now you can pray for your enemies and love people who, just, who use you and bless people who take advantage of you now because you've got a good heart. Amen. Righteousness is not determined in the courts of law, but in the hearts of men. Righteousness starts in the hearts of men. That's why we got to pray for our leaders. I don't care if you like them. I don't care if you hate them. you got to pray for them. Righteousness starts in the heart. It's not going to happen. You can't, you can't legislate righteousness. You can have right laws, but you can't legislate righteousness. In other words, people that are going to be in right standing with God. That comes from the heart. But let me just, well, that's last. All right, so let's go on. we got to move. All right, so a few things about righteous people. Number one, righteous people speak the truth from their heart. They refuse to do evil to their neighbors. They protect the innocent at all times. They refuse corruption. They don't live a double standard. That's what the Bible says that righteous people do. Thirdly, we got to hurry. Righteousness is the foundation of our lives in Christ. If it's a foundation of the throne of God, how many know it should be the foundation of our lives? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says, and the Bible makes it clear that when you're born again and you're saved, that, there you, that you need to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen? Matthew 6, 33 says, what does it tell us to do? Seek first the kingdom of God in what? His righteousness. Why? Because the kingdom is established by righteousness. The throne of God is built on righteousness and justice. So seek, if you're going to seek the throne of God, you're going to seek righteousness. 
And then all these things shall be added unto you. Proverbs 21.3 says, To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than any sacrifice you could give. Fourthly, righteous, righteousness builds standards. Again, rightness. That's what it means. Rightness is to love what is true and just. Rightness. When people don't love what is true and just, I have to ask and question in my heart, do they know God our righteousness? Do they really understand God who is righteous? Do they understand His Word and everything it says about righteousness? Come on. If you move in a wrong spirit, you're going to move and, and you, everything that's not, you're not going to love truth. You're not going to want anything that's truthful. You're not going to love anything that's just. Amen? How many know that? All right, we need to move on. So, again, but you know, if we, if we talked about this and before I read a scripture is, you know, if you're, you're not going to see True justice is something I want to communicate to this younger generation. You're not going to see true justice if you're not going to see true righteousness. It goes together. You've got to, you, you got to have true righteousness. So a lot of people say, well, we, we want justice. Well, you know, you've got to see true righteousness. So in order to see true justice, you've got to have true righteousness. Amen? And so that's what we're praying for people. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30 says during a time of great moral failure and disbelief God searched for a man who could build a wall of righteousness a standard of righteousness against the rising tide of evil but could not find a single person to heed his call. Don't let that be said of our generation. Come on. But how many know God's searching for people that are going to build a wall of righteousness? Standards of righteousness. There's nothing wrong with standards. It's good to have standards. It's good to have boundaries. Come on. It's good to have guide rails. It's good to have God's law. There I said it. It's good to have the commandments of God. It's good to have the precepts of God. It's good and it's just and it's right. Amen. There I said it. And so, you know, th there really is this spiritual wall that starts. Where does that start? Well, we got to go to Washington. And we got No, it starts in your heart. The wall of righteousness, the standard of righteousness, starts in your heart. Come on, it starts in the heart of man, and it leads to godly actions. That's where it should go. Amen. And, and the fifth thing is, is that righteousness comes through the gospel. I'm going to end here. Righteousness comes through the gospel. See, political views and social issues will never, never supersede the gospel. Come on, somebody. Let me say it again. Some of you got distracted by the worship team. The po political views and social issues will never supersede the gospel. Why? Because the gospel changes the heart of man. Not just your future destination, your present condition. It should, anyways. It should change your behavior. I know a lot of people make it sound like, well, you know, Jesus isn't here to change your... We're not about moral, you know, and changing people's behavior. How many know the gospel changes your behavior? Oh, the, oh, yes, it does. And I'm going to preach another message about that one. But Jesus has come to change your behavior. And the Holy Ghost is going to get all in your life, all up in your stuff, to change your behavior. Well, no, God's not about behavior change. We're not behavior change. I'm not about what tie you wear, but I'm about what you do at home. And what you do and what you, how you live. Because... This book is on the line, and this book is full of righteousness and justice, and if we're not going to live righteously, we might as well throw the book out. Amen? This gospel changes your heart. 
If it doesn't change your behavior, you might as well not minister alcoholics because you're going to have to ask them to change their behavior. A man that's abusing his wife has got to change his behavior. Somebody that's abusing alcohol, they've got to change their behavior. Can I get an amen? Somebody that's lying, you've got to change your behavior. I'm not going to make a bunch of rules for you to do it. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow God's Word. You're going to change your behavior. You want to change your life? Get into God's Word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you to righteousness. He's going to lead you to truth. He's going to lead you in the way that's just, right, and true. Amen. Is that right? All we need to to do at church is just simply repeat what the Bible says. We're not making a bunch of lists of rules. It's just repeating what the Bible says. Stop hating on people. Stop lying. Stop cheating. Love your wife. Stay, stay married. Come on. That, that's not the rules of the church. That's the rules of God. And guess what? If I follow God's rules, I'm happy as can be. I, I mean, I got more joy than I can handle. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm all about, and I agree 100% with everything Micah preached about last week, and what he talked about was taking the gospel to people that are hurting. We need to do that. But listen, so many of you are scared and you're afraid of the gospel. Well, I'm just going to go and sneak in the gospel every once in a while. No, no, you represent righteousness. You represent justice. You represent everything that's good and true and right. And everything about God, that's what you represent. And we're going to take it to our city. We're going to take it to our streets. And we're going to show people that, listen, we serve a God that's righteousness. And His way is right. His way is good. You're going to get delivered. You're going to get saved. Your life's going to get corrected in the right place. You're going to be a functional person. Have self-respect once again. Get your dignity back. Get your family back. Get your self-respect back. Because righteousness comes through the gospel. Amen. Listen. Too many people are preaching church membership and not the gospel. Preach the gospel. And let the gospel deal with people's hearts. Let the gospel. So many of you are in this room because somebody said a little whisper to you, then let God deal with you. They didn't just keep pestering, pestering. They just said one little thing to you. They showed you the love of God and God dealt with you like, man, like nobody else can deal with you. It was like a hound dog, man, on a, on a, a beef stick, man. I mean, he just was on you, right? Aren't you glad that God pursued you? God knew you. God loved you. Amen. He wouldn't let you go. He kept reminding you, I'm the Lord, right, the righteous God. I'm holy. Man, come back to me. Amen. Turn to me. Surrender to me. Man, you just melted. Because he knows how to do it. And he did it through the gospel. Righteousness comes through the gospel. It doesn't come through political bureaucracy. It comes through the gospel. Amen. I mean, let, let's stand on our feet today. And I want to say one thing before we pray, and, and all of you are going to sign up. I really appreciate that. But here's the deal, and here's what's true, and this is what correlates with today. As Christians, this is so true, as Christians, we represent the saving of life. How many know we don't, we don't represent the destruction of life? 
Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. We represent, as Christians, the saving of life. That's why we should be so concerned about the loss of life. Because we're all about life. The Bible says, choose life today. How many know the Bible says that, amen, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believe on Jesus shall receive eternal life. We're all about life. We're not about death anymore, folks. I don't know if you knew that, but you're all about life now. You're not about, any, any word that comes out of your mouth needs to be about life. Any action that comes from your life needs about, about life. It shouldn't be about death and destruction anymore. Before you knew Jesus, that's all you knew. That's all because that was your future. That was your destiny. That was all you had in your life was darkness and destruction and death. Amen. That's why people that really don't know God are all wrapped up into death. Our culture today, amen, is all wrapped up in death and all this thing. But listen, because they don't know life. But the moment they find Jesus, they find Life. Amen. And that's what we represent today. We represent the saving of life. That's why we're so concerned about our neighbors. That's why we're so concerned about the people we work with. That's why we pray for them. Because we're concerned about the life. That's why we don't just brush by people in the store. We're concerned about the loss of their life. We're not so concerned about our lives and getting our own thing. And, and who cares? I'm not getting involved. But we're so concerned about the loss of other people's lives. We've we got to be about the saving of life. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Amen. And today, some of you are lost. Some of you have lost your way. You're way out of the way of righteousness. Way out of the way of justice. God wants you to come back to the throne, the foundation of the throne of God. What God really is all about, righteousness and justice. Some of you have really just been fighting with other people and had hatred in your heart. And this last year and a half just really caused you to act a different way that wasn't pretty. and maybe wasn't acceptable to the Lord. But God wants you to say, Lord, I repent today. I want righteousness and justice to rule in my life. I want to be all about righteousness and all about justice today. Lord, may I not turn the TV when there's injustice. May I not turn a blind eye when there's unrighteousness. May I speak about injustice. May I speak about unrighteousness today. Amen. And maybe that's you today. And you say, Lord, I, I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm one of those people that you came for. You, you came to seek and save the people that are just so lost in unrighteousness, so lost in injustice. I'm so broken. I'm so lost. The Lord wants you to come to him today and say, Jesus, save me. I'm, I'm all about death right now, Jesus. That's my future. Without you, that's all I have is death and destruction. But with you, there's life and life more abundantly. And I receive that today. Can we pray? Lord, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you that your throne is built on the foundation of righteousness and justice. This has divided us over the last couple years especially. Divided good Christians and good people and churches and communities. This thing that we've got to vote one way or the other. But Lord, as, as the church, we make, a, we make a declaration today that we're about righteousness and justice. We're not about one or the other. We're about righteousness and justice. Grace and truth, not one or the other. Grace and truth flow together in our lives. Truth and mercy, Lord, that's what we want. That's what we want to live out. Lord said, so today, I make a fresh commitment to these things today. I want to come back to the place that uh, I'm living righteously, but I'm also, Lord, living justice. I'm all about it, Lord, and I need to be about it. I'm not just about these programs that help people that are, are uh, broken, but Lord, I'm all about 
religious liberty and freedom and all these things that I need to be concerned about according to your word, not according to my party or, or anything that anybody else tells me, Lord, but what your word says. So today I pray that, Lord, we forgive one another. We move in forgiveness, that we, we learn to love one another. We just learn to listen and love. But yet we just, more importantly, we learn to live our lives through righteousness and justice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today?